How are you spending your time? Are you in control? Or do you let the day take you where it wants to go? Do you find yourself spending a ton of time on social media, watching news shows that you walk away from feeling upset? Well, if so, you're going to love this conversation. Today, I'm talking with Andrew McConnell. He is the CEO and co-founder of Rented. He also is the author of the upcoming book, Get Out of My Head, Creating Modern Clarity with Stoic Wisdom. And I love this conversation because we talk about how we can start to take back our day, how we can cut distraction, how we can start to budget our time effectively so that we're getting what we want out of our day. We want to spend more time with family. Okay, let's schedule for that. Oh, we want to do higher output tasks. Well, let's look at our time. Have we been doing that? So this conversation is very, very impactful. I can't wait to pick up a copy of the book myself, which comes out June 14th, 2022. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this book, but let's sit back. I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get into this conversation. What's going on, my beautiful marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Marketing Podcast. Today on the show, joining me is the co-founder and CEO of Rented.com, Andrew McConnell. He is also the author of the upcoming book, Get Out of My Head, Creating Modern Clarity with Stoic Wisdom. Andrew, how you doing? We're doing great. How are you, Jordan? I'm doing really well, and I'm excited to have you on and talk about this. Let's give the listeners some context, you know, talk to me about your career, your journey. And then I really want to get into what, you know, hey, you're writing a book, you got a book coming out, like how did that whole thing take place? So yeah, give me some context and then let's jump into the book. Yeah, that sounds great. Yes. Yeah, so my background, I think like a lot of people coming out of college, I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do, but I really thought I wanted to be a civil rights, human rights lawyer, ended up going to law school and decided when I started practicing, that was not what I wanted to do. I had no idea what being a lawyer was. But my corporations class, I found the business problems really interesting and realized business people got to work on all the interesting questions and then lawyers had to go write it all up. Just like, maybe I go do this business thing. So I went to McKinsey and worked there for four years, then got recruited away to a startup. And while I was there, had my idea for my own startup, which was my first company I founded 10 years ago, back in 2012, in the vacation rental industry. And it's really been a love affair for me since then. I've now started three companies in the industry, the most recent being rented. And it's been an industry that when I first started researching in 99, it was a $40 billion global industry. This year alone, the US is projected to do more than 67 billion in revenue. It's, it's more than a $200 billion industry now. So just getting in the right place at the right time. And yeah, it, ironically, perhaps with rented, that kind of is what led to writing the book in the first place. So what we do is we help owners and property managers maximize the values of their Airbnbs and their vacation rentals. So just like airlines or hotels have prices that fluctuate based on demand patterns and everything. And historically, Airbnbs, you just set the price. You say, oh, it's 159 a night. It didn't, maybe you charge more for Christmas or 4th of July, but there wasn't much movement. We are the pricing engine behind that now. So it fluctuates to make sure, hey, on a Tuesday night out of season, let's put it at a price that people will actually book and come stay. And if there are only so many properties on the 4th of July, let's make sure we're actually charging what you should get out of it. You know, make sure that we are maximizing the value of this asset. And as we were doing that, I realized there's actually a far more valuable asset that we all have. And we were absolutely wasting it, mostly as a society. 
and that is our mind. And I think the past two years and past two months even in, in many ways have shown us there is no asset but our mind that we own or control. Our body can get a virus, it can get bacteria in it, it can get hit by a bus, we can't control it. Material items can break, can be taken away, no matter how wealthy we are. But our mind and our mindset is something in our power if we know how to and choose to exert that power. And so that really is what excited me to go deep on this topic and go deep in stoicism as a framework for how to take that ownership back. I love it. It's interesting to have those kind of you know moments where they hit you and you realize like, oh yeah, this is the asset. And what is the world demanding of me and what am I demanding of myself and what does that look like and how am I pushing myself into opportunities and situations or am I being pulled into them or am I stumbling into them? And being able to decipher, which is what, when you look back on you know your week or the month or the year or whatever it may be, it's like, how am I using my energy? Now, listeners, if you're not familiar with stoicism, Andrew, could you just give, I guess, a couple principles that come out of you know this, I guess, line of philosophical thinking. And then, yeah, that'll probably set the, a good table for the rest of the discussion. Yeah, absolutely. So stoic with a lowercase s, people typically think of stony-faced, unfeeling, right? That, that's a kind of pejorative term. But stoicism as a school of thought, it's an ancient Greek originally school of thought, roughly 2,500 years old. And it is at its essence about really separating out what is in our control versus what is not and exerting that control where we actually have it. And again, the one thing we really control is our own thoughts and actions. So we can't control what someone else does, what the weather does, what other people think or how they act, but we can control how we react or if we react and how we think about it and the stories we tell. It's been quoted over and over again. You know, Abraham Lincoln supposedly had a copy of Marcus Aurelius's meditations on his nightstand the night he was murdered. You hear in Hamlet, there's neither good nor bad, but our thinking makes it so. All of this is kind of getting at its essence of what stoicism is about. I love it. And listeners, if you're looking for a kind of intro to, you know, stoicism, there's some great timeless pieces of literature. Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, which is for those of you who don't know, he is the emperor. He was a great Roman emperor. And yes. he actually kept a journal. It wasn't intended to be published. And it stood the test of time and lessons came out of that. Letters from Seneca? Yeah. Seneca, it, a lot of it, and they're in different collections, but it's he wrote these to Lucilius. It was this mentee of his, and they're just this treasure trove of wisdom. Seneca being an interesting one because he didn't always live it, but he was very good at writing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So now moving into that, right? Okay. If we approach the next part of this discussion with the framework of, you know, control the controllables, right? And the first thing controlling is our mind. Walk me through for someone who feels like I go on social media and an hour goes by, TikTok, I keep scrolling through, or I turn on the TV and it's just political news bombarded and it's negative. And then I feel like I'm constantly being pulled, you know, yeah. 17 different ways. What's like the first thing I should do if I'm in that position? Yeah. The first is one to identify you can actually control where you put your mind so you only have 24 hours in a day you only have 100 percent of your mind share to give to anything in the first place and so realizing that your mind is like real estate it's this finite asset and you need to decide how you allocate it so do i want to give it to social media in which case my return is an hour disappeared and maybe based on certain studies i am 
unhappier afterwards than I was when I started that hour? Or do I want to put it into spending time with my loved ones? Because again, studies show you're going to feel way better an hour later. Reach out to some friends, people that you normally would text, pick up the phone, call them, talk to those people you hadn't seen in a few years. And so really thinking about where you want to put it. Um, so that, that's the first piece is recognize you have the control. But the, the next very quickly is understanding and identifying your value. So what is the value of your mind? And it's not static, right? I could go spend this time mowing a lawn. I'm not particularly good at mowing a lawn. I'm no better than the next person. And I may be worse than someone who does this for a living. So my value doing that may be 15 bucks an hour, maybe less. Maybe that's not what my value is. But my value running and scaling a business, well, that's really, really high. So if I'm going to go put my time into something, that's probably where I should put it. I shouldn't put it in painting my house or mowing my lawn. I need to go put it in the very high value tasks. And so someone who's working for someone else, really going through that math of, okay, where's my time going? How am I being valued for that? How would others value me for this? And we're seeing that with a great resignation where people are really starting to question that of, hey, am I being valued fairly? But there's a separate thing of, do I need to even be doing the things I'm doing? Am I using myself at my highest and best use? And that really sets the framework for everything from there. Once you start thinking in that way, you can start investing your mind instead of just actively or passively giving it away and just taking back the remnants after you've given it away. Yeah. I love that the first thing is like one, have some agency, you know, put you're in control. And then two, it's something that I've heard described before. And I love this, like we're all told, hey, do what you're great at and what provides the most value and don't do what you're poor at, right? Everyone kind of understands that. But where we do get lost is tasks, value neutral tasks, mm-hmm. right? In our business and life, et cetera. So it could be mowing the lawn. It could be doing an arbitrary task at work that is repeatable and should be delegated. But we're like, oh, I could just do it quickly. And it's like, you have to look at the cost between your high value action and the neutral value action and be like, oh no, this is actually costing the business or costing my personal life, you know, either in time or dollars or whatever it may be, right? There's opportunity cost. And the opportunity cost isn't static either. I had a former mentor and former boss, current mentor, that now is a CEO of the Fed of Richmond. And he had this concept of valuable time and costless time, like costly time and costless. And his idea was, if I'm on an airplane, there's nothing valuable I can be doing other than work. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit and watch a movie or anything. I'm going to crank out the work I need to get done when I'm sitting on an airplane. Because as soon as I land and I'm with my kids, that is incredibly costly time. If I miss their basketball game, if I miss helping with the homework, that's not stuff I'm getting back. Whereas those dead hours on the plane, that's very costless. So when I have set amounts of things that I know I still have to get done, where am I going to work on those? I love that. And then in the book... You know, as you move on and through the principles, I know one of the things that we talked about before we hit record with your book that I love is you set the table with, hey, here is the philosophy, the framework, you know, the theory, but then you have some action items in on the back end. And it's really a a workbook too, right? Or collaborative, like it's, you're engaged in it. So walk me through, I guess, that thinking to do it that way. And then two, what does that really look like for the reader as they go through reading the book? Yeah. You use the word workbook, which is a very apropos one because it's not a theoretical workbook. Anybody who pre-orders, you can go to the website now, mandrewmcconnell.com and download the workbook. So there's a separate workbook pulling all of the lessons out with the exercises so that you can go start putting those into practice while you're waiting for the book. 
So going back, the structure, as you said, it's introducing the concept. So typically it is a personal story as I'm building one of my companies. Hey, I was running in to get this, then stepping back and say, oh, here's scientifically like why the human brain works this way. Here's why I ended up in the situation. Then here's how stoicism addresses it from Marcus Aurelius or Seneca or Epictetus. And then goes into illustrations from some incredibly impressive people. You know, the, the person who ran recruitment and training for an elite group within the SEALs, the founder of DocuSign, Martin Luther King's daughter. So really impressive people who've taken these principles and implemented in them in their own life. And then closes with, okay, here's the exercise. How do I go put this in practice? There are actually a number around knowing your value. So the first is doing a price check. How am I being valued today? Let's just start there. What is my hourly rate? How many hours do I put into work? Is that market? Am I even being paid fairly for what I'm doing? Then benchmarking say, well, what else could I be putting that time to? Uh, it illustrates from someone who is effectively making $12.50 an hour in his job, but this was the mid nineties and he could build websites. And so on the side, he was billing at $75 an hour to build websites. That's way more valuable. Again, an hour is not an hour. It has different value depending what you put to it. That's a starting point. The second piece is where we started this is that agency of where do I want to put my time and taking a concept from finance of zero-based budgeting, but doing with zero-based calendaring. So instead of saying, oh, here's what my calendar looks like, here's where my time's going, really starting with the end state in mind. How do I want my month, week, day to look? How much time goes to sleep? How much time goes to family? How much time does work actually get? And within work, what are the activities at work and what is that allocation? And really mapping out what that ideal calendar ideal calendar looks like and then reviewing it ongoing and saying, okay, am I holding myself proactively to account on this? Looking at the next week, does my calendar match what I said I want to allocate my time to? It's interesting. And I like the word, and I like you did the emphasis there on ideal because I like things like routines and I, I love to plan it, but same thing with maybe a diet, all of this, but humans are very bad at sticking to it. And I think it's a lot of times too, because it's like, oh, if I miss the schedule one day, well, the whole thing's now gone to the wind, right? Like, what's the point? Yeah. I ate cake yeah. on the diet one day. Well, the diet's over, which is to me, it's like create the time budget, the time blocking, where do you want to spend it? But then give yourself the permission to like, hey, if you mess up one day or don't hit it perfectly, it's okay. Get back yeah. on the horse tomorrow, right? Because that's something I see a lot of people, they, they start to beat themselves up when they have one day that's not perfect. Yeah. You know, there's an entire chapter on lowering your bar. So <laughs> again, not lowering your standards, but lowering your bar so that you can get started. So you can get yep. working on it. And there are whole exercises around that as well. So it, it, it is real. The struggle is real. I love that. And I love that this helps, you know, bring people towards, you know, hopefully a happier, more peaceful in, uh, in existence with a little more agency behind it. Right. That to me is such a cool thing that you're bringing forward. Now, with the book, when does it come out? Where can people find it? Give us that rundown. Yeah, book launches on June 14th. You can pre-order now on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, on literally any bookstore. You know, I'm, I live in Bermuda. The bookstore is here. They're taking pre-orders. So it's on sale anywhere books are sold. It's available in hardcover. It's available in Kindle. It's going to be available in Audible. I, I recorded the audio. It should come out the same day, June 14th. Just haven't 100% confirmed that yet. Amazing. And I'll put links to that in the show notes so y'all can go and grab a copy. Andrew, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Before I let you go, where can people connect with you online? Where's the best place? Yeah. LinkedIn is probably where I'm the most active forward slash 
M Andrew McConnell. The Twitter, I'm on that, M A McConnell, Instagram, M Andrew McConnell. And then my website, so mandrewmcconnell.com. All of that's there. And then, of course, always rented.com. Amazing. I'll put links to all of those in the show notes page as well. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on today, man. I appreciate it. Jordan, it's been a pleasure. 